0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We are in Colossians 2 yet again. Today we will begin in Colossians 2, uh, verse 16. As we consider the the Easter season, um, we will be having a uh, uh, Good Friday service this year. So please be planning on that. The time is there in your bulletin. Uh, Please plan on joining us for that as we consider That he was crucified, dead, and buried. So our our scripture reading today for the sermon comes from the book of Colossians. It is Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, and we will read through verse 19. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come, but the reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, Grows as God causes it to grow. Let us pray. To our great and gracious God. We know that we do not live by bread alone. As Jesus says, we live by every word that comes from your mouth. You have revealed to us those words in this scripture. And so make us hungry today for the heavenly food that you give. Nourish us today in the ways of life, your life, eternal life, and reminded that you are the one that cause us to grow. And so we pray this in the name of the one who is the bread of life, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we as the people of God grow? How are we knit together? How are we led on that path of salvation or of sanctification, excuse me, both individually and corporately. Paul has told us about where our salvation rests and where our salvation lies, and it is Jesus and in Jesus alone. Jesus has the fullness of God that has dwelt within him. He is everything that we need for salvation. And as we begin to look forward to the sanctification that Paul calls us to, the holy living that Paul calls us to, he's going to remind us today that that process of growth also comes through Jesus, through God alone. And so today, as we consider this passage, as we consider Colossians two sixteen through 19, we're going to look at how legalism leads to false growth, how mysticism leads to false growth, and how it is God and God alone who gives growth. First, legalism leads to false growth. He opens up today's passage by saying, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. That word judge that is there is a word that when it is typically used in the New Testament, it is used of God. And God's role of judging sinners. God has declared that there are certain ways that we should live in accordance to His holy rules, His holy laws. And for those who break those laws, there God will judge them. God will has said that death comes through sin and life comes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in whom the fullness of God rests. And so Paul is saying here, don't let anyone, any human, Any person judge you. This is the word that's used in Matthew 7, 1. Judge not lest ye be judged. It's not that we don't discern right from wrong in the lives of, in our own lives and in the lives of other people because he says, Jesus says in the very next verse, if you do see a speck in your brother or sister's eye, get the log out of your own eye. Discern sin in your life before you discern sin in their life. But don't condemn. Don't say because you have sin in your life, God has consigned you eternally to the fires of hell. That's not our job. That's not our call. Because what are we forgetting when we tell somebody that? Jesus. We're forgetting the gospel and the grace that says there is no sin so big that the grace, the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ cannot cover it. So he says, don't let anyone judge you. Well, what do we not let anyone judge us for? We don't let anyone judge us for the food we eat, for the new moon festivals or for the Sabbaths. There was something else in there too. The food we eat and drink with regard to religious festivals, new moons, celebrations or the Sabbath day. Nope, I got it all. Food laws and ceremonies. That's what we are to not be judged for. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, Easter's coming up, are you celebrating the Passover? And you say, what are you going to say to them? No, I'm not going to celebrate the Passover. And they look at you and they go, well, you might want to reconsider your faith. They're judging you for not going through these celebrations. the, The food laws were given to the Israelites to keep them separate. The celebration, these... These festivals, these new moon feasts and these Sabbaths were given to the Israelites in order to to remind them of what was to come and what had been done for them in the past. But what does Paul say about these things? He said they were mere shadows of the reality that was to come. We're given the tabernacle in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, and we're reminded as it's been given and also again in the book of Hebrews That it was a shadow. It was a reflection of the throne room of God. These Old Testament feasts, these Old Testament festivals were to point forward for the Israelites to what was to come. And who is the reality that has shown up now that those things shadowed? It is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These feasts have been abolished. These feasts have been set aside Because the reality is here. If you want to know a better, a fuller explanation of this, read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews goes through a lot of these institutions of the Old Testament law, the feasts, the festivals, the priesthood, the sacrifices. And it says, but Jesus is a better representation. Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is the perfect priest. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. We no longer need the feasts and festivals, the, the food practices of the Old Testament law. They are no longer part of our salvation. The temptation, however, for the people of God, as we pursue growth in God, is to set a, 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 is to set a, a list of rules that we must follow in order to be considered holy, in order to be considered uh, growing in Christ we do still have the moral law in the old testament but it's not just a list of rules that we keep to be holy it's a list of rules that we keep to honor and glorify god but the temptation is to enter into legalism the temptation is to say hey i have not lied in a month i am holy i've never murdered anybody i am holy And God owes me something because I do so well with my holiness. That's the temptation in that. And in that, I judge myself. As we looked at the previous passage, we talked about the parchment that had the list of what we owed to God. That was nailed to the cross and cleansed by the blood of God. Our our sinful record, the judgment that we deserve because of sin has been cleansed by the blood of Christ as Christ... And that parchment was nailed to the cross. When I enter into legalism, I am taking that parchment back down and I am rewriting. Attempting to rewrite on there what I will be judged by. Growth does not come through legalism. Growth comes through understanding that the Holy Spirit takes the work of Jesus. That justification we have been given by Jesus' perfect record and leads us towards holiness, towards glorifying God. Legalism leads to a false growth, to a false holiness. Mysticism also leads to false growth. Paul actually kind of shifts gears here, and and we miss it a little bit in English, but as he goes from 16 and 17, talking about these, these celebrations, these shadows of the reality that has now come. He shifts the, the focus from a plural to a singular. And he may be dealing with one specific man within the Colossian church that is teaching mysticism. What does he talk about there? He, he talks about a man who delights in false humility. This is a an asceticism. This isn't what we think about about the, the humble brag. You know the humble brag, well, you know, I, I don't mean to brag, but you know, I, I I've run the fastest mile in the last week that I've ever run in my life. I don't I don't mean to brag. That's not the false humility we're talking about there. It, it's a it's a sense of asceticism, which is denying ourselves pleasures thinking that it's holy. So think about somebody who you say, hey, let's go out and grab an ice cream. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to keep my body pure and ice cream is not pure. Or, hey, let's go out and and, you know, check out the river trail. You know what? I, I, I am so focused on my holiness. I don't want to distract myself by the beauty of the river or the beauty of the mountains or the beauty of the flowers. Hey, why aren't you married? Not that marriage is a a particular sign of holiness. It will make you more holy the longer you're married. But it's not a particular sign of holiness. Well, I am so focused on God that I deny myself all physical pleasures whatsoever. That's the false humility that he's talking about there. It comes from pagan religious practices. It is not scriptural. God has made things good and we are to enjoy creation for his glory For his honor. So this person is is practicing asceticism or this false humility. Or he's practicing the worship of angels. We we don't know exactly what this worship of angels is. It is either one of two major things. It's it's either seeking to worship the triune God through the through the use of a media intermediary. Think um those who worship the saints. I'm not good enough to go directly to God. So I have this saint who is going to be an intermediary between me and God because I'm not good enough to worship God. Or the other option that's that's equally as valid is that saying that this person in some type of trance joins with the angels around the heavenly throne worshipping them in their worship. Once again, it's mysticism. It's a it's a pagan Bringing in of pagan practices into the worship of God. And then what do you see in private? That's the third thing that Paul talks about is this private personal relation, revelation, excuse me, supposedly directly from God. You ever have sometimes you'll come across people who will say, you know, I, I was just sitting in my room the other night and I was. Transported into the presence of God and God gave me this message. God gave me this word. God told me to tell you or told me to do this directly as I was transported into his presence. What do those practices have a tendency to do? He says it in there, puff us up. As we talk about our idle notions. I mean, what's the temptation? hey guys, guess what? I've had something happen to me that hadn't happened to you. God loves me more. God thinks I'm more special than you are. Because you know what? He transported me into His presence and He told me these words. Man, I've got this special revelation from God. Or, you know what? I deny myself physical pleasures because I love God so much. And I don't want to be distracted from Him. And man, I'm so much better than you. I might not say that, but that's the undertone there. He brags. He puts us, he puts the person down. He makes himself a, a higher level citizen in the family of God than the average ordinary poor uninitiated person. There are some Christian brothers and sisters who do this as well today, and we, and we have to be careful with this. Where has God revealed himself? In his word. Do I have any more access to the word than you do? No, I have more access to some education, but that doesn't give me any better access to the word than you have. Do I have any better access to the Holy Spirit than you have? No, not at all. We there is no higher citizen in the in the family of God because of some mystical Mystical experience, in fact, most of the mystical experiences that we try to work into our Christian faith and our Christian walk come from other religions, come from paganism. And so they lead to false growth. They lead to a false sense of our worth before God. So if that's the case, if legalism leads us to false growth, if mysticism leads us to false growth, where does true growth Come from the answer to that is in verse 19. This person, this man who has had these mystical experiences, he has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body support and supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. This is actually a reference back to verse 18 of chapter one, where he says, talking about Jesus, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. When we talked about that particular verse, we talked about the head not just being the lead of the church. And that is true. Jesus is the leader of the church. I am merely an under shepherd. The elders here are merely under shepherds of the true shepherd, the head of the church. But Jesus, as the head of the church, is also the sustainer of life for the church. Without being too graphic, what happens to a body when the head is separated? It dies. So when we pursue legalism, when we pursue mysticism, when we pursue growth outside of the plan that God has given us to grow, we risk separating ourselves from the head of the church. If we pursue growth in anything other than Jesus, anything other than the Holy Spirit, anything other than God, the father, we are in danger of being what John describes in first John as those who have left us because they were never part of us. We are in danger of separating ourselves from the nourishment of being connected to our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, and the growth that God gives through that. Paul uses language of the body in this, supported and held together by ligaments and sinews. Our our skeletal structure is held together by the muscles, and the muscles are held to that by the ligaments and the different connective tissues. I was doing some watching some videos on YouTube and had some. Uh, some tightness in my hamstrings, so talking about stretching and proper ways to stretch and to, to kind of lengthen those hamstrings. And you know that there's a, there's a tissue that basically runs from the back of your head all the way to the bottom of your foot that holds everything together. That keeps your muscles aligned, your skeletal structures aligned, and it, it has different names and different parts of the body, but it, it runs the entire length of your body. The head. Governs that the head causes that to grow and it is God that holds everything together and causes growth. So what do we pursue for growth? We pursue God. Where do we learn about God? We learn about it here in his word. So legalism leads to a false growth. Mysticism leads to a false growth. Only God can give the growth. The session and I have been talking over the last several months about how do we grow? How do we go through a period of revitalization? And and the temptation in that is there are as many books about church revitalization as there are probably churches in America, if not more. And the temptation is to go to one of those books and say, "Okay, here is the formula. We just plug people and programs into the formula. And the church will grow. But what do we do when we do that? We forget the one who gives growth. We are in danger of separating ourselves from the head because it is God who gives growth. And the other problem with those things is that what worked for a church in Tacoma, Washington may not work for a church in Fairleigh, West Virginia. Why? Culture's different. People are different. Climate's different. Who knows? The first step to growth is to making sure that we as a church are connected to the one who gives growth. The first process in church revitalization is going to God and saying, grow us as you have promised to do. And so I call you today to to beware in your own personal life of the temptation toward legalism the temptation toward mysticism. And as we think about our corporate life, join us in prayer, asking God to grow us. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we are sinful and prideful people. We take pride in our legalism. We take pride in supposed mystical experiences that we have. Help us to set those aside and seek you as our source of growth. Forgive us for our pride and help us to rely upon the head of the church, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives strength and who provides the nourishment that we need so that you may grow us. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.